Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Welcome to Rainbow Puppy Science Lab. It's the world's only lab dedicated exclusively to the study of all things awesome. Every episode, we'll explore a different subject and figure out what makes it great. So goggles on, awesomeologists. This might get messy. But we're about to discover something something awesome. awesome. Welcome to Rainbow Puppy Science Lab. I'm Atticus. And I'm Kyle. And today, we're looking at animation. Dad, this is an audio podcast. We're not looking at anything. I'm not sure I see your point. Exactly. We're not seeing anything here. Whatever. Let's just get started with a little fact. Or fake. Last week, we shared two bits of trivia. Your challenge is to figure out which is an absolutely amazing fact and which is just too good to be true. Up first, in 1928, Walt Disney created the world's first animation as he introduced Donald Duck in Steamboat Willie. Or... Toy Story was the world's first movie made entirely of using CGI, or computer-generated images. It was a huge hit. When they tried to make the sequel, the computer assets were accidentally deleted and would have been lost forever if it weren't for a newborn baby. So there you have it. Which do you think is the true fun fact? If you need a moment to think about it, go ahead, pause the show. We'll be right here when you get back. The moment of truth has arrived. Drum roll, please. Hi-ho! Hi-ho! Uh, Dad, that's a musical. It's fine. Now, off to work we go. As a matter of fact, the true story was that two years into production, Toy Story 2 was accidentally deleted, and all the work was nearly lost for good. In 1998, an animator was working on the hit sequel to Toy Story when they accidentally deleted most of the files on Pixar's servers. They did have backups, but they found them to be unusable. Luckily, the technical director, Galen Sussman, had a newborn child, and she was working from home, so they had backups on her computer. The team was able to recover most of the lost work and save the movie. So, I guess a baby saved Toy Story 2. If you thought Walt Disney made the world's first animation more too far off, Disney has a history of innovation. But he didn't invent animation. Some rough forms for animation go back to the 1830s with devices like the phenakistoscope, which created an illusion of moving pictures by spinning a cardboard disc that showed a character in different poses. It is hard to pinpoint the first animation, because people argue about what techniques count as animation. But the first hand-drawn animation would be Phantasmagory, 
which was created by the artist Emil Cole in 1908. Steamboat Willie was the first in other ways. It was the cartoon that introduced Mickey Mouse to the world, and it was the first animation that had sound synchronized with the movements of the characters. So, Walt Disney created the first animation that got sound and visuals in sync. And in the 1990s, Pixar, which is now part of Disney, created the first fully computer-animated movie. Any other notable firsts for Disney? Well, there's always some argument about firsts, but many people consider Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs to be the first animated film. Snow White was full color, hand-drawn cell animation. And while it may not technically be the first full-length animation, it was the first of its kind, which is why a lot of people at the time thought it wouldn't work. What do you mean? If Disney was already making cartoons, why would people think he couldn't make a longer one? It was just such a massive project. People in the movie industry couldn't imagine it all coming together. For one thing, there was the budget. It took way longer than he expected and cost about five or six times as much as he initially planned. It cost so much that he had to take out a loan on his house to pay for it. So you mean if the movie had failed, not only would Disney Studios go under, but Walt Disney himself would have lost his house? That's right. People called it Disney's folly. They said it would flop, and the audience would never sit through an 80-minute cartoon. But Disney had a vision. He just needed to get other people to see it. How'd he do that? Well, it all started with his animators. He gave them 50 cents to go get lunch. When they came back to the studio, he not only explained his vision, he acted out the entire story for them. That sounds awkward. I mean, a middle-aged man pretending to be Snow White, then hunching over to pretend to be the evil queen in front of his whole staff? No wonder people thought he was a few frames short of a feature film. It may seem a little strange, but focusing on how real people act was the secret to his success. For Snow White, they actually filmed live actors and based the animation on how real people moved. Disney had the animators take figure drawing classes to make their characters look more realistic. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out. This is a fairy tale with magic potions and a girl who sings with small woodland creatures. If he thought that was realistic, I think people may have been right to question his sanity. Obviously, the story has fantasy elements, but when you look at the way it was put together and the characters were drawn and stuff like that, There was a lot that was realistic. Disney understood that the key to success was getting the audience to relate to the characters and feel emotionally invested in the story. Instead of simple shapes used in Silly Symphonies cartoons, animators drew characters to look more human. They worked to make not only the faces but the poses more expressive, and it worked. At the first screening, audiences cried. So the secret to his success was Disney made his audience sad? (laughs) Not just sad. There are moments of joy and excitement. While most people just saw cartoons as silly fun, 
Walt Disney saw the potential to capture the full range of emotions. He said for every laugh, there must be a tear. But why make his audience sad? I don't like to be sad. I like to be happy. Because the ultimate success is more satisfying when we see the character struggle to get there. Disney didn't just win a special custom Oscar for his achievements in Snow White. He and his team spent three years making millions of drawings. Partway through the production, they actually scrapped all their work to shift to a new multi-plane camera technique with multiple layers of animation cells or drawings. The budget started at about $250,000, but ballooned to almost $1.5 million and almost lost Disney his studio, his home, his reputation, and his career. Everyone said it couldn't be done, but in the end, Disney's folly became Disney's triumph, and he lived happily ever after. Okay, so Disney got his happily ever after, but what about us? What comes after this animation episode? Sounds to me like a good time to give everyone a little preview of next week's episode with another fact or fake. Next week's episode should be thrilling as we learn about roller coasters. But today, we have just two interesting anecdotes. Your challenge is to tell truth from fiction, as one is an absolutely amazing fact, but the other is just something silly and strange we made up. Here we go. First, doctors in the Orlando, Florida area have been writing prescriptions for patients to ride Disney's Tower of Terror. They say that patients suffering from a blockage in the digestive system can have it scared out of them. Apparently, the sudden freefall has a roughly 66% success rate at dislodging an obstruction. Or, one of the earliest American coasters was a coal mine. The Mock Chunk Switchback Railway was built in 1827 to haul coal between two mines. People saw the coal train zooming down the hill and up to 50 miles per hour and thought, why should the coal have all the fun? And tourists started paying to ride. So there you have it. Tune in next week to find out which is fact and which is fake. Now, if you want to learn more about how animation works and how you could even create your own, stick around after the credits when I'll play a little clip from a recent episode of my other podcast. Thanks for listening to our show. Rainbow Puppy Science Lab is an airwave media podcast. It was written, produced, mixed, and edited by us, Atticus and Kyle. Background music and sound effects came courtesy of Pixabay. Today, we covered something that we love and wanted to learn more about, but what are you curious about? Ask your grown-up to head over to RainbowPuppyScienceLab.com to find some fun experiments and activities you can try. While you're there, tell us what you like and what you're curious about. You might just hear it in a future episode. Now, for those who are curious and want to learn a little bit more about how animation is produced, here is a clip of my other show, Who Arted Weekly Art History for All Ages, where I went into a little bit more depth in some of the history and techniques for creating animations. First, let's look at what video and animation are. 
Photography came about in the mid-19th century, and it wasn't long before people started experimenting with ways of creating motion pictures. All videos and animations work off the same basic concept. If you take a bunch of pictures, referred to as frames of film, and then you play them back really fast, the viewer's eye gets overwhelmed and cannot process all the images. It stops looking like a series of pictures and begins to look like one image that is constantly moving. This point where the eye gets overwhelmed starts somewhere around 7 to 10 frames per second, although traditional films would play back 24 frames a second, and today the standard for our video cameras would be 30 frames per second. In the early 19th century, there were basic animations with cardboard discs that would spin, showing images of a figure in different poses to look like it was walking and things like that. By the end of the 19th century, artists had realized they could take a series of pictures of objects, moving them ever so slightly in between shots, and when they played it back, it would look like the objects were moving themselves. This is a technique known as stop-motion animation. You might think of like those claymation, those clay figures that move around. It's just move the figure, take a picture, move it, take a picture. In Disney's first feature film, he was using hand-drawn cell animation. It's similar to stop motion, except instead of moving objects, animators make a series of drawings with slight changes to them and photograph each of those drawings. If you want to try something like that on your own, the easiest way to experiment with hand-drawn animation would be making a flipbook using post-its. You know, it's relatively easy to do something like make a stick figure walk or dance or jump, but hand drawing a cartoon that's over an hour long, that's something else entirely. So to do this, animators would make a series of drawings with slight changes photographing each of them. They create their cells on clear sheets. First, someone would ink the top of the sheet. They can lay it on top of another drawing to trace most aspects and make slight modifications to the pose of the figure for smooth motion. In inking the cell, they're just making the outlines. Next, they would flip the cell over and paint the other side so that they could fill in the color without messing up the ink lines. As you can imagine, it's a lot of work. To make Snow White, Disney's animators had to create somewhere between 200 and 300,000 frames. 